0: Hello, my name is Jason and welcome to DesignCast. It's a podcast where I interview a wide range of guests and ask the question, how do you design education? Why is this important? Students all learn differently and need varied teaching methods to be successful. It is more important now than ever to accommodate and personalize education for all students as much as possible. I use my 25 years of experience as an educator to ask questions and to learn about the exciting things people are doing to provide for all students and their unique perspectives. Each episode, I chat with guests from all over the world, from classroom teachers, authors, consultants, and beyond. We chat around a range of topics that we feel are important right now. Will you join me in this journey to learn and grow together? If it's your first time here, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to check it out. If you like this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, and download from your preferred podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by new listeners. Also, please use the hashtag DesignCast when discussing your thoughts and feedback on your favorite social media platform. To connect with me, I would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. So let's get on with the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Design Cast, and I'm so excited today to be speaking to Lindsay Lyons. Lindsay, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you, Jason.
0: I am just really excited to connect with you and I'm just really, really looking forward to our conversation and and learning more about the kinds of things that you do. So Lindsay, if you don't mind, can you just sort of introduce yourself and talk about the work that you're doing?
1: Absolutely. So I call myself an educational justice coach, which is a term I've made up. I've had a lot of questions about what is this and how can I become it and all the things I'm like, this is totally something of my own creation. And really, I just help schools and districts kind of co-create with students, ideally, uh, feminist, anti-racist, kind of civic action curriculum. So everything they're learning, it's like, well, how does this apply to my life and how can I take it and literally do something now with it? to make my immediate community a better place. So I often think of the hallmarks of good curriculum as like challenging, affirming, and inspiring all the students, like 100%. And so that's the big thing that I'm doing now. I also host a podcast. So I'm I'm loving the podcast life. I'm very excited to to be on here. Um, And I I used to teach. So I used to teach ELA history, uh, mostly for students who had IEPs and students who were new to the English language. so Emerging multilingual students in New York City. And um, my scholarship background is in student voice and leadership. So kind of a little bit of everything in the education wow. realm.
0: Holy moly. You've been doing this a hundred years, it sounds like. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. So, Lindsay, what got you into um, this current role that you do? This, this social, what do you call it again? Social justice or? Educational justice it? coach. Educational yeah. justice coach. So what got you inspired to do this? And tell me a bit about yeah. the work.
1: Yeah, so my undergrad degree, and I changed degrees like four times, I think, like most people probably, but my undergrad degree was in gender and women's studies and sociology. So I dual-majored, and it was very much about justice, like how do we advanced justice in the world through an intersectional feminist lens, you know. And so I was very steeped in that um, environment. And I kind of wanted to, to support – initially, I was thinking I wanted to be a lawyer, supporting people who had gone through intimate partner violence and were trying to, you know, get justice for themselves – and, and then I was like, this is an exhausting world. So instead I chose education, like that was less exhausting. <laughs> but I thought, you know, what, what I often am doing with the adults is I'm kind of repairing harm that was done. But what if I could work with younger students and we could kind of co-create this better world from the get-go so that we're not repairing harm, we just don't do harm in the first place. And so that was kind of how I entered education.
0: Wow. That's, I love it. I love it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we some, many people kind of fall backwards into education, uh, maybe thinking, oh, it's a stopgap or it's, a, you know, it's a temporary thing. And then 25 years later, like, well, I guess it wasn't temporary. <laughs> That's It is exhausting to be, you know, in education too, but it's good work, right? I mean, you go to bed yeah. really fulfilled um, at night, yeah. which is great. So, so tell me the kinds of, um, schools and programs and whatnot that you currently work with and how do you connect with them what's what's sort of your way to to get into classrooms
1: oh that is such a good question and so i think one of the the challenges for me has been how to take what i do in the four walls of a classroom right because i went right from teacher to kind of running my own business being a coach with different schools and districts, didn't have a formal leadership position in terms of, I mean, I was like a department chair and stuff, but I didn't have like a principal or superintendent role, you know, before doing this. So it was very much like learning on my feet, how to connect to people. So the podcast has been a great way. Um, I have, consulted for a bunch of educational organizations. And that was a great way to introduce myself to people um, and then just stay connected with those folks. There are people in my immediate geographic region. So right now I I live in Framingham, Massachusetts. So we moved to Boston after New York and then now living just outside of Boston, about 20 miles out. And so immediately upon moving here, I just contacted the school district we now live in saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a future parent of one of your students, and I also do this thing that might be helpful to you. And so a bunch of, of my work now is with them. Um, and so that's been really great. I think one of the other interesting parts is the work I do is very, uh, I don't want to say hard, but like challenging in a sense for people to wrap their minds around, given the broader political landscape in the United States at the moment. And so there's a lot of laws being passed that are kind of like banning talks about justice. There are books being banned in different parts of the country. And so that has been a challenge for people, even if they don't live in one of those states, to say, I am thinking of this group of parents or this parent in particular who might have a problem with this. So how do we navigate that? Half of my staff. Um, you know, I know how they voted and they voted it to, for a politician who was, you know, not about this. And so how do we navigate all of that? And so I think that has shaped who I work with. The people I work with are people who are like, whether it's challenging or not, we're willing to put in the work to to do it. And we think it's important. Mm.
0: Yeah. I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking um, I've worked in lots of different environments uh, for education and some environments are much more fertile and ready for this kind of thing and others are not there yet right so i mean yeah. i think that schools or even not even just schools but organizations have to be kind of ready to cuz it like you said it's 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 important and it's very very um impactful work but i can imagine that it's also um, can be very, uh, hard, like you said, to, to kind of break into that. And so, um, so what kinds of things do you do and like, what age groups do you work with? Do you work with the teachers or parents or students, you know, what, how do you, how do you work with those?
1: That's such a good question. So I think all ages, I think this is appropriate and I'm reading right now, I'm reading, um, Dr. Ibram Kendi's how to raise an anti-racist, which is like, really geared toward younger students. And so I'm learning all this research because I'm historically in the high school space. And so I'm learning all this research about, you know, three month, three years, nine months is when we really develop that like foundational ability to empathize with other people's pain and to actually take anti-racist action because we understand that level of pain of someone else. And I'm just like, whoa, this is nuts. And and I think all the research on like how much we, uh, you know, take in of our surroundings and how uh, racist attitudes peak at like age five. And it's just like, whoa, there's so much going on that we don't realize. So the younger students are definitely ready for it. And some sometimes what I do is actually coach pre-K or kindergarten teachers and leaders around that idea all the way to, you know, my, my bread and butter is really high school, uh, which is, you know, we're redoing, for example, in Framingham, we did redid the U.S. history curriculum um, for it's a two year curriculum in the state of Massachusetts. And so how do we completely revamp it in a way that centers indigenous perspectives, um, black American perspectives, Latinx perspectives? Right. And like, how do we teach it in a way that the culminating project of each unit is an activist project or something where they're taking what they're learning and bettering their immediate community? And so that's the kind of stuff that I do. And and the people I work with is really broad, but you're right. It's kind of the sense of readiness, regardless of the grade or regardless of the content area. So I've also talked to like math teachers who are ready and they've designed, you know, geometry units that are like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to talk and we're going to partner with the social studies curriculum looking at perhaps um, gerrymandering and politics. And then we're going to use geometry principles and representation, mathematical calculations and everything to actually design a better map that is more representative when we look at a gerrymandering district. So things like that, I think it's there's so many possibilities. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited just listening to you because your, your enthusiasm is infectious, which is great. I mean, it's the passion is very clear, and, uh, you know, I just am thinking about, wow, um, I'm in a very fortunate situation where I'm in a very diverse, very open-minded school, um, where we Mm -hmm. actually have these discussions regularly right in students you hear it with them but I think about even my own children who are middle school age now but when they were younger their sense of fairness and justice right like I mean I have two boys and they're they they let me know all the time if it's fair or not and so you're right right. I mean I guess the younger kids are probably much easier to work with because they they do understand sort of that idea of an equal playing field I guess you could say versus um, you know people who formed uh, an opinion about, you know, one way or another, right? I mean, so, wow, that's something. (laughs) That's awesome. So tell me about the podcast, what started it, and then sort of what, how does that help your work? You know, how do you use it as a vehicle for that?
1: Yeah, I think it started because I was writing blogs, actually. So initially, Time for Teachership was a blog site, and then it became a podcast because I just really like the medium of talking. And so I was like, this might be you know easier or, or faster for me to like get my ideas out than like editing a blog for hours. So it kind of transitioned to that, um, where I was doing a lot of solo shows, kind of how-to strategies for teachers and leaders. And then I was like, okay, people do this guest thing, I should try this out. And so I started inviting um, you know, guests. And I actually do think my first episode was a guest, and I, I wasn't sure how much I would do that, but I was like, okay, let's let's try. And the first few were just so amazing. I mean, just the guests on the podcast, I'm sure you know, like, it is so fun <laughs> to connect with other people and just have that kind of synthesis of ideas. And so I just was like, all right, we're going to rotate every other. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things for me now that I am experimenting with, so it's fun to experiment different types of episodes. One of the things I'm really excited about now um, and, and inspired by the work of Dr. Goldie Mohammed, who talks about developing curricular fluency and like, how do we get leaders and teachers to really like get more practice with developing curriculum based on something that's like right in front of them or something so i have been doing i've been recording they haven't been released yet uh what i've been calling a unit dreaming series where we have a teacher or leader come on and just 30 minutes we just brainstorm off the top of our heads what would this unit look like based on kind of a spark that we have or an idea that we have and we design out like what's the driving question what's the summative assessment that's really an action civics project you know what are the lesson level activities and so people like can walk away with a unit if they're the guest, but they also can kind of demonstrate what it looks like to build a unit in real time in not a lot of time. And I think there's kind of, I think there has, I've not found a podcast that really does that regularly. So I'm, I'm thinking that could be a cool space to break into.
0: I love it. I might have to borrow your idea sometime. Awesome. <laughs> that yeah. Sound, that sounds really fun. I mean, I think about, um, and and you're right. I mean, the the podcast gives you access to people in a way that you wouldn't normally have. Um, and I think about the fact that I'm sitting in Beijing, China, and you're sitting in Massachusetts, and and we're able to have this conversation uh, where we we might not have been able to do that before. And so I think yeah. you're right. I love the medium and I find it to be so liberating and freeing in a lot of ways. And I think it's great that you have that platform to be able to discuss and and to think about this this um, concept, this this idea that you're working with, and that I can imagine is continually in flux. And what I yeah. mean by that is, as I listen to it, there's so many things we're learning <laughs> about human nature and about humans every single day that's changing the definition. Where when we think about math, um, it, a lot of that is is tried and true, and it, it's in you know it's it's sort of. It's math, right? Like it's just it's there. But this sort of thing constantly is evolving, in my opinion. And so, how do you keep up with current trends and the evolution of these things?
1: Oh my gosh, what a fantastic question! So, I think from from my perspective, I'm just always trying to listen to podcasts, read all the things, and and my free resources that I give. So usually every episode, I'll have a free resource, and they're usually like a template or something. I've made them all in Google Docs so that. The link is the same and I can just go ahead and update it. So even like yesterday, I just went in and one of my like most popular freebies is like a backwards curriculum, backwards planning, design template. And I just went in and edited like three things. And it was so easy because I didn't need to like resend out something, you know. So there's that piece. But then also for teachers to be able to design flexibly around current events. It is really powerful, I think, to think about designing for that flexibility. So if we can create a a unit, I usually call it a unit arc, that has specific protocols, including a day for current events once a week or something like that, then you're building with the flexibility for life to change, for events of the world to change. I mean, I'm just remembering the 2016 election in the United States, like, you know, the day after that, I worked at a school full of students who had recently immigrated to the country. And so it was like, we're not doing business as usual today. We're going to just like sit and chat and, you know, have a flexible day. So if we build those in, because we know things are going to happen in the world that students care about and want to talk about, I think that gives us a better shot at actually. Um, if we design intentionally for them, we can address them better than if we have to press pause on a pre-written curriculum and then try to insert it and it doesn't really fit.
0: Perfect. Yeah, that, that I was kind of envisioning that and you're right. I mean, those are some great um, illustrations and and analogies and, and actually real life examples that that you've shared on, on that. And, and I just think about too, even in my own profession, things change. And I mean, Don't even get me started on AI at the moment because that's completely (laughs) changing the entire way that we do business. And so, I mean, I think about how we have to evolve and pivot and and be responsive, right? And in a way, I I think I I feel in, in listening, I'm still learning. I'm still on my learning journey about the things you're talking about. And I think about how my own learning is evolving. And that I need to be open minded to that. And I just was curious kind of how you kept up with that, you know, kind of kind of thing and that, you know, things terms change and, and our understanding of things change. And and so if you if a teacher reaches out to you, how do you how do you go about like helping them? What kinds of things do you do to help them? I know you do some unit planning, but what else do you do?
1: Yeah, I think, so one of the biggest things now, I think in in relation to what we were just talking about is how do I, if usually it's a, typically it's a leader, but it can also be a teacher, you know, how do I facilitate uh, learning for my staff or conversation amongst my staff in a way that's going to equip my staff to be able to have conversations about current events, about identity, about politics with our students? And how do I do that in a way that also keeps in mind uh, the families and the community members and, and all of the different political opinions? And so that has been really an entry point, I think, to the work that eventually becomes curriculum. And I'm still kind of fine tuning this in my own head now, like how this actually fits into the my business model. I've seen them very much as as separate. And I think it's actually kind of a natural evolution. The entry point is, how do I do this thing? How do we talk about injustice in the class, for example, or in the school more broadly? I think once you do that, though, and so I, I typically, and I actually, I can share any of this that feels helpful for your listeners, but I actually have a, um, a three-part series that's like, how do we build the foundation? As you mentioned, we don't just like kind of dive into it, right? How do you build the foundation to have these conversations? So what is like three staff agendas with the slide decks, with all the things that you might need? Like, how do you actually just put those in one, two, three? Now we're kind of off to the races and, and having that conversation more fluidly. Um, so, so that's one piece. I might give kind of some templates there. Once you have those conversations, I think, with students, the next natural step is, okay, I know how to have the conversation or we had a great conversation. I want to do it more often because kids are kind of craving this and they need to build those skills just to function in society. How do we do it in a way that feels connected to the rest of the curriculum, which then invites the conversation of how do we build out the curriculum? How do we build out the units around these questions? And so I think it is a a nice kind of progression.
0: Wow. Uh, That's a big job. Uh, And I'm... (laughs) you know i'm and i'm thinking to i've been overseas a long time but i have worked in the states and i'm thinking about standards and initiatives and all these educational programs that are often sort of thrust upon schools yeah. and i'm thinking about how how um classroom teachers and leaders can adapt and and and, and, and sort of weave these ideas into still getting through the things they're supposed to get through. Right. I mean, that's, I think that's a big part of it, but here's the thing. I think um, teachers are often the slowest to adapt to these things, but once they're on board, they're on board. Right. Like, so Mm -hmm. I think that they have to see the value and, I love it that you have, I can't wait to read your three, three part series about doing this because it goes back to that point of being ready, right? Because not every, everyone's in a very different place in their learning journey. And I think we have to, resp- I know you do. Um, and I feel the same. We have to respect where they are in that because we were all there, right? We were all there at certain times. And so, wow, I love the work you're doing, Lindsay. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Thank it's really, you. really, really awesome. Stuff. So <laughs> I, I, I am so excited to hear more about this and I can can't wait to continue to follow along. I want to ask you something though. I, um, since we, I mean, we could talk all day. I know you have a big day ahead of you. I'm sure, um, but I want to ask you something. I ask everybody, and that is, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what would you what would you tell yourself?
1: <laughs> I have thought about this for weeks because I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so I think in relation to actually what we were just talking about, pe- people are at different places. I one of the biggest things I've learned and I'm still working on it is you have to enjoy the journey of learning and you have to have a learning orientation. And so if you can just enjoy that journey, every every step along the way. If you make a critical mistake, I mean there are like moments in my life that I'm like I wish I could undo that. And then as an older person now <laughs> reflecting on that, I think I don't want to undo it. I just want to see it for what it was, which was making that mistake and having someone correct me on that mistake in the realm of justice very specifically enables me to be better and not make that mistake in the future. It enables me to create less harm. And I think that is huge. And that's the mindset that I want everyone I work with to kind of take on as well.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. We, we say assume best intention uh, <laughs> every day. That's something we say. And uh I, if we do that, I think we can't go wrong, you know, I mean, because we're all in it because we love kids and we want them to be the best they can be. Uh, And so, well, that's, that's great advice. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for that. I really appreciate that. And look, I cannot wait to continue. Maybe we can uh, plan to do this annually. to See how things are going with what you're doing. I think the work you're doing is great and everyone should uh, check it out. I will make sure that in the show notes, all of your contact information is there so that folks can, your, your website's great. People can check all of that out and to listen to your awesome podcast. Um, so thank you so much for being here today, Lindsay. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I can send you the links to all of those agendas if people are interested in checking them out. (laughs) I can't,
0: I can't wait. I'll make sure to share those. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: I hope that you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. Again, I'm Jason. I am the creator and host and one man band when it comes to this podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it and please share it with your colleagues and friends and help me network with those folks who you think will benefit from listening to this podcast. If you own a company or you have connections where you would like to partner with me in this podcast, whether it be sponsorship or product reviews or any other possible services, please reach out to me. My contact information is in the show notes, and I cannot wait to hear from you. I only do this because I love talking to people and I love sharing my passion with all the listeners. So... If you are interested in possibly being a future guest, please reach out and get in touch. I can't wait to hear from you. I really want to hear about how this podcast and its guests are helping you become better or to enrich your lives. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, be good to one another.